Hey, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of Grow Yourself from the Inside Out. You know, today we're going to be talking about tapping into the power of your personality. And I must say that in my work as a soft skills coach and consultant and speaker, you know, this is really, uh, this is important to me. I talk a lot about people's personality, I should say their personal brands. And so this will be a fascinating topic. You know, what is a personality? And what does a personality have to do with your success? Well, we have actually an expert here who is going to talk to us about that. And let me introduce you before I bring him on. So we have Merrick Rosenberg. He co-founded Team Builders Plus in 1991 and Take Flight Learning in 2012. He's the author of Personality Wins, The, uh, the, the Chameleon, and Taking Flight, three books about personality. Under Merrick's leadership as CEO of Take Flight Learning, his company has been selected as the New Jersey Business of the Year and named one of the fastest growing uh, and best places to work in Philadelphia area. Merrick received his MBA from Drexel University who recognized him as Alumni Entrepreneur of the Year. Merrick worked. Uh, Merrick has worked with more than half of Fortune 100 companies in the US and around the world. And I'm so pleased to have Merrick here with me now. Merrick, Rosenberg, thank you so much for joining us on Grow Yourself. Oh, thank you, Kevin. I am excited to be here. So, Merrick, before we kind of get started, I ask all my guests this, you know, who is Merrick Rosenberg? Where did you come from and how did you end up in your spot today? Uh, you know, right out of college, I'd gotten a job. I was a management consultant for a little while and I was reorganizing workflow and restructuring departments. And I realized <laughs> incredibly quickly, one, that was not for me. <laughs> but two, I realized you can change the structure. You can change what they do. But if you don't have great leadership, if you don't have a great culture, you're going to have problems. And so I went back, got an MBA and discovered team building while I was there. And I thought, mm -hmm. wow, what a great job. I could get paid to play games with people. What a country. And I uh, started a <laughs> team building company right out of grad school, literally day one after I graduated. Let's do it. And I uh, just grew it from there and, and discovered personality styles. And from there, built out a whole distribution system and process for teaching people about themselves. It's just been a fun ride. It's, it's all, but it's always been about culture and leadership and teamwork and getting people to work together well. Whew, boy, you set off a bunch of words that triggered me on a lot of different levels. I mean, I start to think about all of those things as we discuss personality, you know, about culture and how, and, and I also talk about one's mind's culture, you know, the culture that rolls in our mind. But in any event, relative to personalities, why why did you go down, why did you decide on the personalities niche? What sort of hooked you in there? As I was running team building programs, it was pretty clear that so much of the conflict and the drama was because people just didn't understand each other. They didn't mm. realize that, that different didn't equal good, different equal, they felt like different equaled bad. And if we could just all be the same. And if people could do things how I do it, then boy, that would not be easy. <laughs> and so I, I very quickly realized this is exactly what I want to put my energy into. Just teaching people about themselves. The most self-aware people are the happiest people, I love but it. also teaching people how to get along with others. And, and the beauty of this is that it, it really is this one topic that people are going to go and learn about themselves. And they will typically learn about themselves, whether it's a conference for work or in the workplace. And it's the one topic they're going to go home and they're going to talk about at the kitchen table. Wow. And, and that's so Merrick, powerful. No, it's very powerful. So, so Merrick, let's center the audience on what you mean by personality. How would you define 
a personality or one's personality? It's just the whole combination of our thoughts, our feelings, and our behaviors. It's they're so intertwined. I think a lot of times mm. in, in corporate America, we think, well, no, we don't talk about emotions. We don't talk about feelings. Well, you know what? Our, our fears and our motivators drive our behaviors. If you're someone who who needs for something to be right for you to feel safe and comfortable, well, then in the outer world, we're going to see someone who has a lot of processes and systems and, and timelines, and they're very organized and structured. So our thoughts and our feelings drive our behaviors. For me, they're just inherently connected. And I want people to learn about how they think and how they feel and how they act and how that impacts the people in their life, whether it's at work or at home. Wow, fascinating. So before we get into uh, asking about your books and the and the uh, very fascinating sort of uh, take that you have on personalities, let me ask you then, just generally speaking, perhaps beyond the obvious, what, you know, how does your personality help you become successful or or not successful, by the way? Well, it's a matter of tapping into the power of your personality. You take someone who's who's gone into a field where their personality resonates with their job. And every day, it's like they go home and it feeds them. They go home and they feel like, I could do that all day long because it doesn't even feel like work. But then you take someone whose personality does not resonate with the job, and it's absolutely exhausting because they're working out of their style all day. They're mm. doing things they shouldn't be doing. Yeah, for me... I'm more on the people-oriented side of the continuum. I love being on stage and being in front of a group of people and talking about their personality and how they can work together better. If you stuck me in a cubicle eight hours a day, crunching data without any human interaction, could I do it? Sure, but I'd go home every day absolutely exhausted. So are we born with our personalities? Again, I yeah, yeah. are we born with it? Yeah, there's so much data now that the whole nature nurture conversation, I mean, yeah. it's pretty much been settled. Anyone who has two kids, you know, from like day one, that they are probably very different. And there's nothing you can do to change their personality. You may have one kid who is just energetic and risk taking and uses playground equipment in ways that were clearly not intended. And you're like, what are you doing? Then you have another one who is very safe and careful and analytical. And there's nothing you could have done to change either of them. They're just going to be who they are. And so it's, there's definitely hardwiring. Yeah, no, no. And I, and I agree with you. I mean, they always say that it's a combination of both, but, but, but it makes sense what you're saying. So then just, you know, again, you, you bring up these really interesting ideas in my head. So as you're raising kids, though, and they have personalities, you know, I think some of us, I'll talk about my two daughters that I raised simultaneously, they both had incredibly different, still have incredibly different personalities. But, I, you know, do we parents want to change their personalities? I, I think I tried at some point, if there was something that I didn't like about their personality, I tried to maybe shape it a little bit. But so if it's not doing that, what, what are you trying to do as you raise your kids with their personality, but you want to shape certain, <clears throat> I guess, certain behaviors or whatever the case might be? I'm not sure if that question made any sense. Oh, absolutely. Well, what it really is all about is helping them to become the best version of who they are. Got it. And, and if I were to use the styles, I'll, I'll give you a little overview so we can use them here. Please. If you are an eagle parent, now eagles are confident, they're direct, they're assertive, they take charge. And you have 
maybe a dove child who's more soft-spoken and compassionate mm. and caring and, and it probably goes into a field where they're in service of others, where they help other people. Now, as that eagle parent, you look at that child and you say, you know, they're going to need to be more assertive in life. If they're not, they're not going to accomplish anything. They're not, people right. are going to walk, walk all over them. They're not going to get their needs met. So you see the child and maybe the child is standing in line at, at a ice cream truck and somebody walks in front of them and, and the kid feels bad about it already, but the parent yells at the kid, Hey, tell them, you tell them you're in church. You're here first. You want people to, to step on you in life. And what you're really sending this message to this child is, is this, that you need to be more like me. I'm assertive. Mm. I'm direct. That's how I got where I am in life. And if you want, if you were more like me, you know what? I would respect you. In fact, you need to change to be more like me because who you are right now is not okay. And that is just a horrible message. What we really need to do is nurture the innate skills, honor the fact that that child is probably incredibly empathetic, that they're probably there for all their friends, that they care about people and animals and they just wanna help others to be happy and healthy and safe. Maybe we nurture those skills instead of saying, fight for the ball, get in there. Yeah. You're not going to win unless you push people around and you get what you, it's like, we just send such a horrible message when we do yeah. that. God, that is so good. What you're saying there. <clears throat> I, you know, because it sounds like if, if you press it, it, you know, another way, you almost deny them of their personality. And in the end, they, <clears throat> I don't know this for a fact, but I would assume that they grow up with this, um, you know, this difficulty, this challenge in their mind about what was impressed upon them versus their natural style, right? And so this becomes a struggle that they probably don't need. It's exactly right. It's as if they have these two voices, one on each shoulder. Bang. One is whispering, this is who I am. And another is whispering, well, this is who you should be. And, and we do this to our spouse. Yeah. We marry them because they're different from us. And then we try to turn them into us. Yes. We do this to our direct reports. <clears throat> we hire them because they have this interesting skill set that we don't have. And then we try to turn them into the way we get them to do things the way we would do them. And, and we are constantly imposing our style on others as opposed to saying the fact that they're different adds something unique to this relationship. And I want to value that instead of try to turn them into the best version of me instead of the best version of them. You know, and this, and you're talking about, you're not talking about uh, dominant, hateful people. You're talking about good, well-intended people who may inadvertently, you know, try to do these sorts of things, right? And I think that's a very important distinction that we don't, and I'll speak for Kevin, that I don't think that that's everybody else out there and that whatever my intentions are about my kids or my, my spouse or, or even my friends, that with the best of intentions, I may just not like their or appreciate their style or whatever. And, and therefore I try to influence them to be different than they yeah, are. You're 100% right. I think, in fact, I would take it a step further. I think they have positive intention. They're trying mm -hmm. to help, but what they don't realize is they're trying to turn them into someone else. So I'll give you an example using the other two Please. styles. We've got the parrot who's very enthusiastic, who's very social, they're upbeat, they're very motivational. They're good at sales. They're good at marketing. They're good at schmoozing and persuading. Then you have owls who are logical and analytical and detail-oriented. They have a process and a system. Now, can you imagine if they reported to each other? You have a parrot sitting in their, their performance review with their owl staff member, and they say, you know, you need to get out there. 
You need to build relationships with people. That's how you get things done. And they're correcting the, the way they do things. You have the owl manager talking to the parent and saying, you know, you're always out wandering around talking to people. You got to get organized, get structured, have a process and a system. That's how you get things done. They don't realize that they're actually imposing their style on others and trying to change people. They're trying to be helpful, but they're doing it. And what they're really doing is invalidating who you are and the way you approach the world. And we really should just be honoring people. Wow. And that's hard to do because we're stuck in our own heads. Again, I'll speak for myself. You know, I can, I, you know, I, I guess like many other people, I can be very judgmental about others and how they're behaving and what they should be or how they should be or what they're not. And, and that's not really fair. And I, and I love what you're saying, you know, that we learn to, uh, Kevin and others learn to be more accepting of circumstances and other people and their styles and work within that realm. Let me ask real quick though. So you know, tell me, tell us about your books and you know how you arrived at these four uh, personality styles. It's fascinating. I just want you to stream and tell us about that. I used letters for a long time. There are many different systems that have different letters that symbolize the styles. But I would go back six months later and they're like, which one is the D again? Mm. Like, what does the P stand for? And people just weren't remembering it. And if you can't remember it, how are you using it? And so I wanted it to be something visual, something that people, I don't have to teach them the characteristics of an eagle. You think about an eagle, you think mm. they're direct and driven. You think about a dove, you just would imagine they're calm and peaceful. You'd imagine an owl is logical and detail-oriented and a parrot's talkative and outgoing. <laughs> so because they embody the traits, it made it easy. And I wanted to write a book. So much, so many books about personality are so clinical and psychological. Yes. They don't even interest me, and this is my world. And I wanted it to be fun. And so Taking Flight is one long story. It's a fable that you get to learn about the birds, see them in action, see the challenges they face as, as they, they try to solve some problems that, that have in, in, they are encountering in their world. And, and then the second half of the book is, okay, now how do you use it in your life? And, I love that. And so, so, but what was funny was Taking Flight was like, what was like writing a movie. The chameleon is 22 fables. It's taking the four birds, then I turned it into a sitcom and it's like writing 22 episodes where they each have a different story and a different plot and a different lesson and people get to learn about the birds in an even deeper way. So it, to me, it's really just about learning about your style and, and how you help, how you interact with others and how you can help others. Be That's fascinating. So Taking Flight is your, is your latest book? Taking Flight was first. Oh, was first. Then came, then came the chameleon. And I okay. also wrote Which Bird Are You, which is a children's book. Uh, and it takes place in a camp and children get to learn about themselves. And, you know, it's so funny. I speak wow. at conferences and people come and they're mostly they're business conferences. People come up to me afterwards. They have more questions about their children and their spouse than they even do about the topic at hand, which is how are you using this in the workplace? And, and so many people over the years are like, you have to write a book for kids. And finally, I said, all right, it is time. And I, I wrote, which bird are you? So kids could learn about this. What age level does, does, does it tend to work best? For I, it's about ages eight to 12, though. Okay. Parents could certainly read it to them. if you're That's true. Yeah, no, that's really good. So, so talk, so talk, you know, talk about the four styles a little bit more. <clears throat> and I also want to ask about, you know, the personality styles. 
I mean, I assume, do you have like a dominant style and then a secondary style, somewhat like DISC? If yes. others aren't familiar with DISC, DISC is a you know pro profile, which I use, but I but I I wholeheartedly support what you're saying about there, just remembering an ego and you know what style that is. So so we we're not limited to one style, correct? I'm a parrot with a secondary eagle. My okay. wife is an owl with a secondary dove style. Mm -hmm. uh, we are all combinations of all four. We have a little bit of everything within us, but there's probably one or two styles, mm -hmm. which you have a lot of. There's probably one which you don't have very much of, and it gets you in trouble every now and then because you need it, but you don't access it. And, and yes, to your point, we all have everything, but, but in all likelihood, there's one or two styles which kind of feed you. And when you're in that mode, it's easy and it's fun. Uh, it, you can guess my owl is pretty low, hence my example about just sitting in a cubicle all day, focusing on data that would not be a good role for me. <laughs> Where, whereas my wife is an owl. She could do that all day and she's fine. Very interesting, because I think that I'm also a parrot with a secondary of an eagle, I would say. And maybe my wife, she is clearly a dove. She is a peacemaker from the word go. Uh, very interesting as, as I think about this. Um, so, so again, can you tell us, by the way, you know, one of the one of the stories or the fables from your book? I'd love to just hear one so that the audience can just get a gist of what they might go read. Sure. I, I came home one day. I was on a business trip. And keep in mind, I'm the parrot. My wife is the owl. And and I was sharing pictures with her of my journeys. As a parrot eagle, I have fun. I had hiked an 8,000-foot mountain by myself. While I was getting towards the top in Oregon, I thought, probably would have been good if I had told someone where I was, but uh, you know, <laughs> parrots don't think that far in advance. There's a mountain. I've got time. I'm going to go. <laughs> I was speaking at a conference in the morning. I was done. I had the rest of the day. And so I was, I was just sharing the stories with her and I was showing her pictures. And when I came home, she said to me, I made a decision while you were away. I watch how you live your life. You're so spontaneous and you just live in the moment. I want to add some of that to my life. As an owl, you can imagine, very planned and structured. She said, I made a decision and I have a plan. I am going to make every Tuesday spontaneity day. <laughs> so I looked at her and I was like, you, no, you do really hear yourself as you say that out loud, right? That is <laughs> so good. I know, I know, I hear it. Um, but, but she did, and for like a whole year, every yeah. Tuesday, she maybe yeah. cooked something she never cooked, went someplace she'd never been, tried something <laughs> she's never tried, and she brought so many interesting new experiences into her world. And, and I wrote a fable called Spontaneity Day, and it just shows how the birds live their lives differently. And, and, and then, in a sense, what happens is they have to switch roles, and the parrot has to be very structured, and the owl has to be totally spontaneous, and it just doesn't work for them, because now they're trying to be someone who they're not. And then it really is about understanding that we approach the world differently. We live our lives in different ways and it's okay. We go on vacation together and my wife plans it. And I find the fun, spontaneous things that she wouldn't have found in the guidebooks. And between the two of us, I don't, we don't miss any of the big things, but we also have room for spontaneity for the moments that arise and we balance each other. And that's what that fable is about, just honoring that we're different. I love that. And, you know, I mean, just listening to you speak about it, you can quickly understand. But I want to ask, you know, how, how, how would a person, you know, whether it be in the workplace or with their family or, or whatever the case might be in their church or 
synagogue or whatever, what, you know, how would you kind of use this as a tool? So uh, let, let me pose it from this standpoint. How, how is it important for me to understand my personality and perhaps understand other personalities? So maybe in the workplace is easier to say this, that you have a team of people. It's important for me to understand my personality because, uh, you know, I, I want to be self-aware about how I behave and as I'm interacting with others. But at the same time, we want to know other personalities as well. So how do you, how do you use this idea of the four styles as a tool uh, for, let's say, working in a team, as an example? The first step is you have to understand your own style. Okay. You've got to understand this is my style, because if you don't understand your style, you are destined to impose it on others. The Very second step is you have to be able to read people. So I have to be able to meet someone quickly. And if I meet someone and they say, hi, nice to meet you. I'm like, okay, there's some eagle. And if they walk up to me and say, hello, how are you? So nice to meet you. Okay, I'm interacting with some dove. Or perhaps they say, hey, how are you? Great to meet you. What a happy day. <laughs> you know, you've just met a parrot. Okay. Owls, very business-like, hello, nice to meet you. Very formal, very, very uh, professional. And so first step, you got to know your own style. Second step, you've got to be able to read others. Once you do that, you just ask yourself the question, what do they need in this moment? If I'm talking to mm -hmm. a dove, maybe I soften my words. If I'm talking to an eagle, I get to the point. If I'm talking to an owl, <clears throat> I provide them with all the information they need. If I'm talking to a parrot, dial up the energy. The more excited you are, the more excited they are. So it's really a matter of just understanding yourself and understanding others and being flexible. That's why I called my, my second book was The Chameleon, being flexible and adaptable to be able to connect with anybody in any situation. And, and whether it's at work or home, that's how you use it. It's just being able to flex to the people around you. Well, that's, that's, that's fascinating. And, and if I may, may say perfectly, uh, perfectly stated and answered because, and you, you sort of brought up my, actually my next question. And that is about, you know, when you run into another person, let's say you are an Eagle and they're a dove, you know, we, we, we could assume that if, left to their own thinking and, and not being self-aware, the ego would dominate the conversation, uh, you know, dominate how long it is, you know, how we talk, how we interact. And the dove, I don't know, if, I guess it depends on their personality or their style or, or, or their, or, you know, sort of where they're at in their life. They may relatively shut down and become the doormat of that conversation. And therefore, um, you know, that's not a good start to a conversation or a situation. And so I think what I hear you saying is that, you know, as you understand these person, one, you know your personality, but two, as you under understand other personalities, you have the ability to, to sort of step into that a little bit more. In other words, and you're not, I wouldn't say that I'm defying my own personality, but I'm trying to be more accommodating to the situation to the relationship, if you will. Is that? Yes. yes, absolutely. I mean, imagine a sales situation where you have this eagle salesperson, they're driving to the meeting. They've been looking forward to this meeting for months. They've been trying to get in. Finally, today is the big day. I finally get to meet the individual who I'm trying to make this deal with. And the whole way there, they're driving there and they're saying to themselves, when I leave, by the time I leave there, I'm closing this deal. It is a done deal today. Mm. And so they arrive and who meets them at the door of the building? person walks up and says, hi, welcome. I'm so, it's so nice to meet you. I, did you have a nice trip? 
why don't, before we start talking business, why don't we go to the cafeteria? Let's get you some tea, water, coffee, anything. Uh, you know what? I'd love to, I'd love to introduce you to the team, give you a little tour of the facility. I'd, I really just want to learn about who you are. How did you get into this industry? And what's the Eagle doing? They're like, well, this is not helping me. Yeah. I want to close the deal. I can't talk about my background and <laughs> I had a nice ride. I mean, I need to close this deal today. And so the problem is then that eagle who's lacking of self-awareness keeps jumping into business, starts talking about their product, starts telling what they can wow. do for their company. And the problem is, you know what's going to close that deal? Creating connection. Because for the dove, you aren't making that sale, that sale unless you create that connection with them. And so for the eagle who lacks style flexibility and only stays in eagle mode, they're not going to create that rapport and connection that they need. Wow. You know, that's very, that's fascinating. I, I can even see it the other way around where you come in, whatever your style is, and let's say the person at the door is like, um, is like a massive eagle and, and you're suddenly on, on your, on your heels because you, you thought that you had this all figured out and suddenly you're, you've got your, you know, your match right in front of you, uh, ready to take you down and, uh, and hard, hard negotiate with you. And maybe you weren't ready. It's fascinating. Here's the other thing I'm thinking about Merrick. And that is somebody, somebody doing a, a, a job interview, you yeah. know, let's say you're sitting with a panel of three to five people and you come in with xy personality or to your point maybe you come in with this really dominant confident personality same thing applies right this this whole thing could shake shake off wrong if if uh if you don't get the personalities that are sitting across the table in a job interview you're it's a sales setting you're just selling yourself mm. and, and here's what i always tell people when they're going on interviews it's not the questions that trip you up because you've practiced all those questions mm -hmm. it's the interviewer that trips mm. you up. Mm. And so what I would tell them is, here's what I want you to do. Take those standard set of interview questions, and I want you to answer them four times. Once for an eagle, once for a parrot, once for a dove, and once for an owl. Because now, no matter who you interact with, you're going to be able to connect with that person. And I'll give you a, I'll give you kind of a sales example so you can Please. see this play out. I, I was I was doing an interview with somebody from, from Sirius XM, so satellite TV, they, satellite radio, they have a, a real estate show. And she had asked me this question. She said, all right, what happens if you, you walk your, a customer, you know, a, a couple into a home and you've got one eagle, one dove, mm. now what do you do? And so I, here's what I said. I mean, I've never sold a home, I bought a home, but I don't have to sell a house, but I do know the styles. So I said, here, how about this? I walk them in and I say, Bottom line, here's how much the house is, here's how many square footage, square footage you get, here's how much property, here's your taxes, number of bedrooms, number of bathrooms. Let me tell you about the community. What a wonderful place to raise a family. You see that park in the beginning of the neighborhood? Kids there all the time. And so what are you doing? You've got to connect whether you're one-on-one or, one -on -one, or with a group, you've got to connect with everyone. If I'm in an interview and there's multiple people there and I don't know their styles, you can bet I'm going to be some little eagle, little parrot, little dove, little owl. I'm going to connect with everyone in that room because when you are trying to, to influence others, you've got to trigger their natural hardwire, display their style. Wow. You know, I, uh, I am in no form uh, an expert in this area of personalities, although 
I use DISC in my coaching, you know, maybe DISC 363 where, you know, just trying to get some feedback and this, that, and the other. But, um, and no disrespect to DISC, I think DISC is one of the best, but I love the way that you have put this in terms of the, because just as you're talking, I, I, I literally can visualize these animals, if you will, and it just makes so much sense. Well, well, if you think about it, nobody, you know, disc is just out there. It's in the it's public just, domain. It, yeah. Nobody's, nobody owns, there are owns disc. There's no like the disc people. It's just disc is out there. There are a lot, there are many disc assessments and, and the four birds parallel disc yeah. for your listeners who, who, who know the disc model, the dominant D is the Eagle that interactive or influential. I is the parrot, this more steadfast or supportive uh, S is the dove, and the analytical conscientious C is the owl. There's four brain quadrants. There are four styles. We we all have the same four styles. You can go back thousands of years. There mm. are many different models of style mm. and of personality, and they all are the same thing. And so I just wanted to make it easy. I just want people to be able to look at it and just get it. Uh, you know, I can just say that, you know, just here, just speaking with you for a few minutes, you've, you've already sort of locked it into my brain, a little bit better understanding of that. So you're probably familiar with Stephen Covey, uh, the late Stephen Covey, you know, and he, uh, he, he said that we have two, um, I don't remember if you said two personalities or not, but, but essentially that we have a two, two beings, I guess you could say, we have a personal, a private and a public persona, maybe he was trying to say, is it the same in the, in the, in the personality, Elaine, yeah. if you will? Yeah, it, just like in the disc world, you get two graphs. If you were to take the assessment, you get this public self and private self. Yeah. Sometimes we're different in different settings. I'll give you a couple examples. Uh, I wrote a book called, uh, one of my books is, is Personality Wins, Who Will Take the White House and How We Know. And I had a vision, it's not political, it's just I had a theory, could I predict who would win a presidential election just based on the birds? Started working it back in time, 22 elections in a row, I would have been right, going all the way back to 1932. Wow. Certain styles win and they beat other styles. We could do a whole conversation about that, but I, but I will tell you this, wow. I, that take somebody like JFK. In public, he was that electric parrot, charisma. Behind the scenes, people talked about him as an eagle. He was quick and he was decisive. Flip that around for George W. Bush. In public, he was the eagle. I'm the decider, mission accomplished. But in private, people talk about him being the parrot in private. So they actually kind of switched. And there's one public self and one private self. And that's true for a lot of us. Sometimes at work, the role or the culture requires us to act a certain way. But then we go home and we're a little bit different. So to your point, yes, sometimes there is a difference between that public persona and that private self. And we probably, and it's, it's very likely that we like one more than the other. One is probably more comfortable. And it is probably the private self because the public self is what we adapt to I to see. be successful in the role or in the culture that we're in. And it Whereas the private it. self, it's just me being me. Yes. And you, you, so you have to work that public self and therefore can be draining, I guess. You're yes. Perhaps being more of what you're not really. <laughs> right. Because when you're in your style, it feeds you. When you're out of your style, it drains you. At the uh, end of the day, they may just be like, oh, I just got to go home and let me yeah, be for a little be while. Me. <laughs> working out of that natural mode. 
Yeah, that's very, very fascinating. You know, in in um, in your books, you write about this this idea called home rule, which I I love it. I've heard it in different iterations, but would you tell the audience a little bit about the home rule? Well, we talk about the golden rule, which is you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. We'll bring it into more modern English. Treat people how you want to, want be, to be treated. treated. And if you think about what we've been talking about this entire time, wait, treat people how you want to be treated? No, yeah. treat people how they want to be treated. And I'll even tweak it just a little more. Treat people how they need to be treated. Yeah, there is wow. a hardwiring. So the golden rule is about respect. People want to be treated with respect. That's right. But if you're an owl and I'm delegating a project to you, you don't just want a lot of information. You need information so you can feel comfortable to be able to do it. If you are a dove, you don't just want people to get along. You need people to get along because if they don't, you're going to be stressed from the drama and the conflict. So this idea of the home rule is, look, you want people to be comfortable? Treat them how they need to be treated. And guess what? Not only do they get their needs met, but you get your needs met too. That seems very, very important. And I, I'll make the assumption back, back in the day when, uh, when we read about the golden rule or, or when the golden rule was sort of, uh, you know, became a thing that the assumption was, and I don't lose the spirit of what is meant by the golden rule that, but uh, it, to me, it's probably an assumption that, that you're talking about good, treat others the way that you want to be treated, i.e. meaning to treat you well with respect. And so, so I get that, but I think it, to your, it's the virtues of what you're saying. The, like, in other words, the golden yes. rule applied to, to kindness and respect and integrity yes. and fairness and compassion. And, and absolutely treat others how you want to be treated. I'm not invalidating that. No, no, but no, no. I'm getting it's that it. the yeah. opposite of it is also true. Not only do we treat others how we want to be treated from a values perspective, but treat others how they need to be treated from a style perspective. It's actually what underlies that is, is honoring people. It's, it's the same underlying theme. And I think that's a very important distinction because, it, and even as I approach uh, folks, and I used to say, and what I love about this is I, I, I used to say, well, what if, you know, if, if people use the golden rule out of context, I guess you could say, <clears throat> my question is, well, what if I don't mind being treated like crap is so I'm, I'm, I'm clear to move that way towards <laughs> others, you see, and I think that's the implication. Yeah. But the other thing, though, in what you're saying, Merrick, is that if I approach someone with more of, you know, what do they need, I guess you could say with that sort of question or thought in my mind, more empathy, more compassion, more, more thinking about them, you know, and how, how, you know, what they need. I mean, I think that's a powerful way to think about how you interact yeah. with I mean, others. Imagine as a parent, you think, what does my child need in this moment? Or as a manager who has a group of people and they have some eagles, some parrots, some doves, some owls, they have people of different styles. They inevitably have different needs. And if you were to say, what does this person need versus what does this person need? So just even take something like feedback. If I were giving feedback to an owl, I might provide specifics and details and data. If I were providing feedback to a parrot, I would just walk in and say, that was awesome. Loved it, great energy. If I gave feedback to a dove, I might just say, thank you. You really made a difference. Not only did you make a difference for the team, you made a difference for our customers. If I was talking to an eagle, I might say, you helped us achieve our objective. Because of that, we increased that, decreased that, nicely done. And, and here's the thing, how different 
were each of those forms of feedback. The eagle was about results. The dove's about just genuine appreciation. The parrot is about energy. The owl is about detail. If you ask yourself, what does this person need? They may need something very different from someone else on your team. They also may need something very different than you would have needed in that situation. So it's just a powerful question to, to center us on focusing on their needs so they can really feel fulfilled in their role. I mean, we talk about the great resignation. So many people are quitting. I bet if you had a manager that kept asking themselves, what does this person need from me in this moment? Oof. Wouldn't see such a high turnover rate. Wow, that's, uh, yeah, I, I see exactly what you're saying. Merrick, how would you advise people? And I, you know, this, uh, how would you advise people that let's say they work with a, let's say uh, there's something other than dominant, or they could be, a, a, I guess you'd say, I mean, a, 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 an eagle, but they work for a really tough eagle, really high end eagle. How, you know, how do you deal with a person like that? I mean, how is, is there a way to confront someone like that? I know confront's a strong word, but you know, because you, you mentioned feedback, and I, th I think that's a very, very important component. I think some are afraid to give feedback to their bosses. Sure. You might even be intimidated to give feedback to, to an eagle, frankly, if you're a dove or something else. You don't want to start any stuff. I guess I just want to ask you a little bit about dealing with other people, whereas they are, and eagle is, is the obvious one to choose here. How would you uh, give feedback to an eagle? you always have to speak their language mm. and i'll give you an example I'll, I'll show you the example from a direct report perspective and then i'll okay. flip it around to manager if i was walking up to an eagle and i said i'm a dove and i i said oh i, I just oh boy i've got this eagle and they're the dial is turned up a lot they're yeah. pushing the eagle into the red zone their directness has become abrasive their assertiveness has become aggressive I, i've got to say something so i walk into the eagle and i say you you just need to pay attention to people's feelings and and tune into how people, their emotional state, how am I doing? I mean, obviously, yeah. horrible, yeah. because I'm speaking the language of the dove. I'm right. not using eagle language. And what I'm doing is saying, look, if you were more like me, you would be okay. I see. So if I were to say to that eagle, look, I know results are important to you. They're important to me too. When you talk to me in this way, it upsets me and I'm not going to get the results that you want. But you can be direct, you can be assertive, but I need you to be respectful. And you know what? You're going to achieve your goals because of it. Wow. Is an eagle likely to hear that? At least way more likely because I'm using eagle language. I'm not saying to the eagle, don't be an eagle. What I'm saying right. is you need to be the healthy version of that eagle because right now you're not going to get the best out of me. But be direct, be assertive, call it like yeah. it is. I appreciate that. And but don't dial it up too much. You know, before you go on though, that there, that there's your, your, that sort of expresses the, the notion about you know, how you deal with the bullying. That is, you stand up to them. And again, you know, that, you know, obviously I'm not talking about violence here, but they're, but yeah, you're using some of their own style to let them know too. I mean, right? You're speaking their language. You're so speaking if their I language. Speak your language. I, I always say, this. look, you're talking to an eagle. If you have an eagle manager, yeah. Here's my tip for dealing with your eagle manager. Be brief, be brilliant, be gone. <laughs> tell them what you need to tell them, and then you're out. Don't walk in wow. if you're the parrot. Don't hang out in their doorway and tell them about your weekend and what this great movie I just saw. You walk in, tell them what they need, and that's it. And if you're a dove, 
Don't write a long preamble to your emails. Hi, how are you? I hope everything's well. I hope you had a really nice weekend. If you're talking to an eagle, you can literally just say, here's the information you requested. They're not gonna be offended. In fact, they're gonna appreciate it. So whether you're talking to your manager, a direct report or a customer or anyone, reflect their style back to them. It triggers their hardwiring. They will appreciate it. Wow. You know, and I'll tell you, I think about this as you're speaking. And for instance, if I'm drafting an email and let's say I'm, I need to be rather pointed or maybe display some eagle tendencies, or maybe I'm frustrated. So there's some emotion involved. I'll literally, you know, turn it over to, you know, my best and finest critic, my wife, and ask her to read it. And she will read it from more of a dove owl standpoint and really give me some good tips. Yes, you have what I refer to as a dove filter. <laughs> Every eagle needs one. Yes. It's somebody, it's either their spouse or their yes. coworker where you say, can you just read this before I send it? And you're pretty convinced it's fine. And then they give it back to you and they're like, no, do not say it like that. You're like, say it like what? Like, they what? know how to say it. That's Every right. eagle leader needs a good dove filter to be able to hand it to, to make sure they're saying it in a way that it's not going to offend it. Man, I love that, you know, and because the same works for the parrot. I, again, I'm more of a parrot, especially when I'm speaking, obviously. I spent 20 years in the Air Force, so it was drilled in me about, you know, communicate, you know, being succinct with your writing. It's going to the colonel. You don't need to, you know, send them a 10-page report when you could put it in a, a small paragraph. So I tend to be more succinct and brief when I write, but not so much when I speak. But from that standpoint, still, if you if you tend to be that way, you could look for somebody else that might offer you maybe a, a, an eagle that says, ah, you're too long-winded there. Get to the point. Exactly. That you, it, you, the beauty of the stylus is that you have experts all around you. If you have to communicate with an owl and you're not sure how to word it, just find someone else who's an owl and ask them, how is this? because they know that you literally have experts of all four styles. If you have a, if a salesperson doesn't know how to present this to someone and they're very differently, I do not know how to sell this to a dove. Find a dove, run it by them. They'll tell you exactly how to present it. It's the beauty of the styles. People are experts and they're all around you. And yes, you're, you got a great point there. And so let me ask, Merrick, what would you recommend that folks do? And, and I want to recommend your books too, but you know, which book would you recommend first to the folks listening if they wanted to learn more about personalities? And the other thing that I would ask from a practical standpoint, uh, see if the right question, you know, how would you encourage them to learn this and then put this into practice, whether it be in the workplace or whatever the case might be? I would suggest the chameleon. It's simple. It's fun. It's a little bite-sized wisdom. The first fable teaches you the four birds. After that, there are 21 lessons of how to apply it in your life. And I have a feeling you will oh. see yourself in the fables. You'll see yourself in the stories. Uh, and how do you apply this in your life? I think it really is a matter of making sure you don't impose your style on others, that you are really thinking, what do they need? and then reflect the style back to them. Just be yourself, honor your own style, but don't impose it on other people and try to change them. Very good. And, and so I'll reflect back on what you said earlier that one, 
become self-aware, know your style and the implications of your style, correct? So yes. maybe as you're reading Chameleon, you're looking there, you're trying to identify this. And I would submit to you that people listening to this, having heard the four styles that you just described, and I'm asking to actually describe them one more time, all four of them, that they will recognize themselves in there pretty much. So you become aware of your style and the implications, or I should say the impact that it has on others. And then you learn the other styles as well and learn how to move into that style, albeit may take a little more energy to do it, but you, you learn, that's how you learn to connect and communicate, correct? Absolutely. I always say, look, I'll use the sales example. If you're selling someone and their style is different from yours, hmm. one of you is going to leave that interaction exhausted <laughs> and it better be you. <laughs> and, and and this is true no matter what you're doing if you're managing someone their style is different from yours yeah. you have to be able to flex and look it's and the four styles they're just so straightforward you've got the eagle they're confident they're assertive they're take charge and direct parrots fun interactive talkative social they are optimistic doves caring compassionate harmonious helpful they just want everyone to get along owls logical, analytical questioning. If they're doing something, they have a process and a plan. They're going to do it right. They're going to do it right the first time. And, and once again, you're not just one, you're a combination of all four, but there's probably one or two, which are really core for you. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. Wow. You know, I could go on really forever talking about this and, and you're right. We may have to have another conversation. I will ask you, I will ask you, I'm not trying to turn in fact, I'm not going to go political here, but I but I think it's fascinating to ask about, you know, the 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 uh, you know Putin versus Zelensky, and again, not not about the yeah. war itself, but about the personalities. Right. Fair to say that Putin's an eagle. Uh, I mean, yeah, from you, what we can tell, there's no doubt. Look, everyone has these four styles, but sometimes behaviors don't flow from style. Look, you take Putin; clearly, he's the eagle. But here's what happens: you take confidence and you dial it up and you get arrogance. You dial up arrogance, you can even move into this narcissistic place. You dial it up even more and you move into narcissistic personality disorder. Putin is probably not just on the healthy end of the eagle style. He's probably heading towards yeah. the other end. I mean, certainly narcissistic, whether it's a disorder, we'll leave psychologists to answer right. that. Probably yeah. is. Good but, but that's yeah. part of the challenge is that we take any of these styles and you keep cranking that dial up and it becomes a disorder. And, and that's part of the challenge We're, versus Zelensky. I mean, look at his parrot. I mean, he is just, he's got some, clearly has eagle, but, but he's yeah. got a healthy version of confident eagle. But he also, I mean, people are just looking at him and saying, man, this guy, look at his background. I mean, he goes from being an actor and to leading a country and now look what he's inherited and people are rallying behind him he's got charisma i think you're seeing a lot of parrot eagle there but you know that's interesting just really fascinating what you're saying there because on the other hand i mean i don't know Zelensky from anybody else just from what i've seen on there and perhaps though we're seeing because of who he's interacting with we're seeing a lot more eagle than maybe he actually is I mean, would that be fair to say? I mean, during out of necessity, this time, he's got to dial it up. I mean, he's, there's just not a question. I mean, yeah, he's got to. He he's got to. On the one hand, you know, call for you know, speak, you know, from a parrot standpoint, where you're 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 being more connecting, if you will, more whatever. 
But then on the other hand, if you're dealing with a person like that, we're back to, hey, I also got to let you know this, you know. <laughs> but it, it's so fascinating. You could use the, the president wow. as, as a, a lens, which is why I wrote Personality Wins. Yeah. Look, based on your experience, you look at someone like Eisenhower. I mean, here is like the, the supreme commander on D-Day, and he's this owl dove. And his troops loved him. I mean, yes. he just, they absolutely, because he was like, he stood for the common man. He, he made sure everybody, all, everybody ate well, right? That was like, he just, that was one of the things he was like, hey, we, we have to take care of our, our armed forces. And people just loved him. I mean, he had so much dove and so much owl. He had so many systems. And look, on D-Day, he writes a note and basically says, look, this fails. It is on me. It is not on them. I mean, that is total accountability which is a very owl thing it's also very dove i'm not blaming others got it if it doesn't work it's on me so sometimes we might think well during war you'd need that eagle style actually mm. here's here's someone during during war i mean and he was wrangling some pretty big egos at that time if you look at all of the heads of the different countries that he was coordinating with it and i think he was able to do it because he had that very objective owl and more personable dove. So it, it's just a fascinating thing. We can look at people through the lens of style and it really helps us understand why they were successful and why they- Wow, you know, Merrick, I'm also thinking about this more now as you're talking about this from a leadership standpoint and having, you know, I, I work with a lot of leaders. It's, it's, it's one of the, you know, my biggest clientele is working in leadership, soft skills and this, that, but but the point that I'm trying to make here is that there is this assumption that to be a strong leader or to be a strong person, I need to basically puff my chest out and say, here's what we're about to do. And you're, and I, I mean, I think most of us know better, but you're really making this argument. No, that's not necessarily true. Yeah, you know, it's, maybe it's there not. are times, you know, when it's time, when, when we're in war, you know, we're, we're probably not going to be nicing it up. I'm just going to say, go take the hill. You know, we're going to, I'm going to play eagle there. Yeah. I mean, look at some great leaders, some, just some business leaders from, from mm. recent history. Okay. You've got Jeff Bezos. You've got Steve Jobs. Okay. They had mm -hmm. some eagle, mm -hmm. uh, definite mm -hmm. eagle energy there. But Richard Branson, I mean, he's all parents. And, Absolutely. and these are self-made billionaires. Yes. Howard Schultz from Starbucks. I mean, yeah. his love, his book, Pour Your Love in It. I mean, you don't get a more dove book title than that. Bill Gates, uh, he wrote a book, Business at the Speed of Thought. In other words, <laughs> you succeed by thinking. That's that's what drives success. Whereas I, I love you. I'll give you the other two. Somebody like um, Jack Welsh, Eagle. His eagle. book title, Winning. <laughs> I mean, Very Richard Branson, and you can't beat this as a parrot book title. Screw it. Let's do it. <laughs> I mean, an owl would never have that as a book title. And, and what I love is the word let's, because it's not just screw it, yeah. just do it. It's like, let's all do it. Yeah. We're all going to do it together. Yeah. Let's see what happens. And, and you can see that, look, these are four self-made billionaires. Yes of all different styles. And I always tell leaders when I'm working with CEOs and leaders, I say, look, your style absolutely does not determine your level of success. However, it absolutely determines how you go about being successful. An eagle leader goes about being successful very differently than a dove, but it doesn't mean that one's gonna be more successful than the other. Wow. You know, that's, that's, and there is such an assumption about this whole eaglehood thing. I'll tell you very quickly, uh, a quick story that I spent three years in my wife and I both, she was working there as well at the U S embassy in Israel and Tel Aviv. And 
you know, in the military, I mean, I spent 20 years and she spent 10 years in and you, you, you know, bosses change every two or three years. It's the way that it is in the military. I recall when I first got there, our first boss, um, he was a defense attache, he was Air Force Colonel. He was a, he was a, a, a cocky kind of arrogant pilot type. If you ever saw this, he, he might not necessarily agree with this. Well, but he eagle, was, he dialed it up and he dialed it up he, a little he bit. was very much eagle he's actually a very quiet person so i i, I would say he was absolutely Probably eagle but he had owl in there too certainly often. some owl in there stuff though so, so he was it was relatively quiet and um but from but 100 percent away from however far you can get away from parrot that's how far away he was and but here was the interesting thing he was one of the best bosses i ever had for this reason he understood that about himself and he he as odd as this may sound so we had about 20 people on the floor military and civilian of all four services all actually three services were in there and he had this thing every month at his place and it was you know it was uh mandatory fun you had to show up in shorts t-shirt flip-flops you were ordered not to speak about work and you came and he had this beautiful layout where his wife had prepared all the food and wine and it was just a treat out in the back door in a beautiful temperature of course most of the year in israel and his wife was absolutely a beautiful parrot and he knew that about her and i have to admit there's some assumptions going on here but i knew 100 that he was he was doing this intentionally and the morale in our office was always up here because he was demanding. He was an eagle. He wasn't hard to get along with or any of that sort. He wasn't sort of like this dominating style, but he also understood that we all needed to come together, be a team, connect. And so he brought us into their home where his wife was just the most amazing hostess. And I think 100% he used her in, 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 a, in, a, in a good way to as part of his leadership. Yeah. And look, it comes full circle from our conversation today. First of all, you staff your weakness. <laughs> staff your, oh, I love tapping that. Into, tapping into her skill set. Yes. The parrot. Yes. But, but, you know, coming full circle, it's where I began. The, the, the most successful people are the most self-aware people. He was oh. a self-aware eagle. Yes, he was. And that shows you when you are self-aware, your style helps you and it doesn't hinder you. And, and, mm -hmm. and we all have can display any style. So not only was he a self-aware eagle, but he was also the chameleon who had style That's flexibility right. and knew that it That's can't right. just be all business. The eagle and the owl are on the task side, the results <laughs> side, eagle do it now, owl do it right. The parrot and dove are on the people side and he recognized Yes, we have to pay attention to culture. Yes also so that's powerful that's a great example. you know there's a funny story that goes with that we we entertained of course a, a lot of i should say you know hosted a lot of american military and civilian diplomats and this that and the other you know and we had a chief of staff whose personality was about like i don't know like that doorknob over there that i'm looking at it was just as worse as it was a four-star general chief staff of the air force and i remember uh, and his personality was just so dry and so oh, it was painful to be around him, quite honestly. And I remember uh, the, the defense attache came back to the office one day after spending the day with them. And he said to me, he said, boy, that general, my gosh, what a terrible personality. I mean, you can't even just 
I couldn't even talk to him. And I was sitting there thinking, hmm, you know, <laughs> here you got these two people sitting in the back. It must have been painful for everybody, you know. Uh, so anyways, it was just hilarious that, yes, he was self-aware, but not self-aware enough in that sense, because he thought the other guy was a real bore. Right. They're, they're, if you were to graph their styles, they may have been actually similar. <laughs> that's, no, exactly. And, th and that's exactly right. So it was just chuckled when he said that, but that if, if um, anyway, so listen, Merrick, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, certainly would love to send them to, and of course, we'll put all of this in the show notes, but I want to hear from you where they, where's the best place to find you, uh, you know, your books, all of that. You can go to takeflightlearning.com and you can learn about the different training programs that we have when we go into companies and everything from understanding the styles to using them to sell and lead and innovate and manage conflict. We have a, a lot of certification program as well. Very nice. We're close to a thousand certified trainers around the world where we certify coaches, we certify trainers in-house uh, consultants, and we teach them how to use the styles in their own practice and in their own world. So uh, you can pick up the books on, uh, on Amazon, uh, Audible there. You can listen to, listen to them if you like. And I'll tell you a little, little, Please. People don't know. If you pick up uh, the audible version of the chameleon, so I play guitar, as you can see behind me, and I, yes. I occasionally will play a little song about the Eagles, parrots, doves, and owls on stage because I'm a parrot, and that's what parrots do. And uh, and I thought, I wonder if I record the song and put it at the end of my audiobook. Will Audible notice that? Evidently not. So if you pick up a copy of of the chameleon on Audible. The very end, a song just kind of randomly comes on it. I love that. That's a great idea. <laughs> well, listen, Merrick Rosenberg, you know, speaking of personality, you have such a really a great, I, I would even use this word, a lovely personality. This is really oh, so okay. easy to be around you and listen to you. I, I, there's no doubt in my mind, you're a terrific teacher and consultant and coach. And uh, I'm so grateful that you spent some time with us here on Grow Yourself and uh, look forward to staying in touch with you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Listen, the pleasure is mine. Thanks so much.